God in heaven, we praise you for being who you are. You are the God who is worthy of all of our praise because you are great and there is no God above you. As we think this morning some more about what it means to glorify you, we ask that you would help us to see what a great God you are and how you have loved us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, we are learning catechism questions, and we're on to catechism question six. And next week, we're actually going to take a break from learning a new one, and we're going to just put all six together, review them a little bit, and then explore what connections do you see between those questions, and also take some time for some Q&A. So Kathy teed up a really great hard question for me for next week. Um, that I'm going to let Matt answer. No. <laughs> um, but if you have like questions related to these or questions that are just burning, like I don't understand how this works, let me know those this week. I'd rather not take them on the fly on Sunday morning um, unless they're easy ones. <laughs> but the one that Kathy asked wasn't an easy one. I told her it'll take more than a two-minute answer. So I'm going to dig into that a little bit. Ah, but for today, let's go ahead and review where we've come from. This is last week's question. What else did God create? Did anybody have a chance to memorize it? Who's laughing? Nobody. Let's, let's read it together. What else did God create? God created all things by his powerful word. And all his creation was very good. Everything flourished under his loving rule. What was your takeaway from that question last week? Like, hmm, what was helpful to you? I know there's several that weren't able to be here last week since. All right, I'm not going to drum anything up. That's fine. Question number one, this was our first question. What is our only hope in life and death? Can anyone answer that? I mean, there's free candy here on the line. (laughs) Prize candy. Wesley. Oh. I'm good. Oh, okay. yeah. That we are not alone, but belong body and soul, both life and death. And to God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's worth candy. Very, very close. Let's go ahead and come on up and pick something out of there. I'll just have to do a little confession here. We went to the parade on Labor Day. This is all of Wesley's candy anyway. And I, and, and I stole it from him. I'll admit it. That's like Sunday school tax, I guess. Wait, did he give all of it or just 10%? <laughs> he gave all of it. That was like... All right, let's read this one together. What is our only hope in life and death? That we are not our own, but belong body and soul both in life and death, to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Question two, what is God? And this was the hardest one, I think, of all. God is the creator and sustainer of everyone and everything. He is eternal, infinite, and unchangeable in his power and perfection, goodness and glory, wisdom, justice, and truth. Nothing happens except through him and by his will. 
That last phrase, nothing happens except through him and by his will. I heard a, a, a pastor say this week that that's like one of the most foundational truths to understanding what the Bible says about God. To, he put it this way. To be a Christian, you have to agree with that statement. Now, how it works out, we can disagree what that looks like. But we can't get around that when there's verses that say he ordained everything by the counsel of his will. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's everything. Anyway, interesting. Question three, how many persons are there in God? Let's say this one together. There are three persons in the one true and living God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are the same in substance, equal in power and glory. And then the week before last, we had this question. How and why did God create us? If you remember the Sunday school, like what I used to introduce, I said, what was the purpose of like this clicker, right? What is the purpose of it? It has one purpose. Now, you can maybe find some other things to do with it that are interesting, like tease your cat with this pointer. But that's not the purpose it was designed for, right? And we talked about this tells us why we exist, what our purpose is. God created us, say it with me, male and female in his own image to know him, love him, live with him, and glorify him. And it is right that we who were created by God should live to his glory. Now, the reason I kind of reversed the order, I put question five and then I went through this one, is because this question ties into this week's question directly. It says to us, what is our purpose for existing? What is our purpose that this question answers? Why do you exist? Somebody put it, your own words or steal from there. Why do you exist? To glorify God, to give God glory. Exactly. Now that is a great Christianese word because we throw it out all the time. But I'm going to put you on the spot. What in the world does it mean to glorify God? I love it. To point everything to him. What? That God gets it all. To make him look great. That is the point of glorifying. And when I say Christianese, I really do. We use some words sometimes that just... I think we as Christians know what they mean a little bit, but it's, it's easy to kind of slip into using words that we're not thinking about. Well, this question, question number six today, is how can we glorify God? And unless we know what glorifying God means, we're not going to be able to do this one. So let's, let's walk through this one together. We glorify God by enjoying Him, loving Him, trusting Him, and by obeying His will, commands, and law. So we glorify God. This tells us how to do what Stacy said, to point all things to him. Um, normally I've been doing, breaking this down by saying, okay, what does this mean? And then I walk through, what, where do we get this from in the Bible? I'm going to do it a little bit differently today. I'm going to put those together. Because sometimes when I answer these questions, I can't answer them without going to the Bible. Right? So to glorify God, here's what my definition that I put of what it means to glorify. To glorify means to recognize or give credit to someone for their greatness. So how do we do this with people in sports? 
Trophies. Jersey, what? They get ads. Ads? Tell me about that. Like, Yeah, right. We're, we're like, that's something to be amazed at. Like, so amazing, I, it's worth buying shoes. <laughs> that's another issue going on there, right? So how do we know who is great? Like, how would you know who's great? In, in, in a game, at the end of the football game, they usually name an MVP, the most valuable player, stats in there. What are those stats doing? They're meant to do what? Keep track of. And then what did you say, Audrey? They hold you to a standard. Yep, the stats hold everybody to a standard. We keep pushing that standard higher. We measure how great someone is by what they've accomplished, what they've done. Matt? Um, I think also... You, you let people know what's great by what you can't do without. Mm. So there's things that you can lose, and the greater it is to you, the, the more you display that, which is why when you have someone lose things that would destroy most people, and you have someone go, but, but I have God, that makes him look great. Yeah. You lose someone you love, and that person, after you've lost that person that you love, if they're able to still in that moment say, but I still have God. Mm-hmm. That makes God look really great to everybody else. Yeah. And there was an example, too, that I know, um, I like said I was, you know, started dating this guy. And, um, <clears throat> you know, he's used to, like, just general things. And so through my time of, you know, times of distress, and times that I just, you know, like, I don't buy paper towels or napkins, you know. I usually just had just use regular, like, you know, cloth things mm-hmm. and wash them. Um, and just, like, a lot of little things, because I was always like, do I really need this? Can I do without it? You know, like, paper towels are just something that people just take for granted. And just like, yeah, we need paper towels, we need this, we need this, we need this. And so I would just learn through time. I have like five channels on my TV. And most people are like, oh my gosh, how do you survive? You know? But I'm just like, I really don't need those things, you know, because during those times I could be reading, I can be studying, I can be doing other things, you know. And so he'll ask me that. He'll be like, How do you, you know, like I can't believe you don't have a fire stick. I don't believe you don't have the internet. I don't believe, you know. And so yeah. he's so used to those things, and that's what I've told him. I'm like, you know, I've been able to substitute so many things in my life for things that, and I said, as long as I have my basic needs met with God, then yeah. pretty much nothing else matters. That's, that's so great. We're done. Thanks for the Sunday School lesson, guys. <laughs> that really does tie it together. And what Matt's saying there about what we value most shows to others what we think is great. And in our culture, like with sports, that shows that our culture values those things. And it can go awry, but there, there is a sense in seeing greatness in a human accomplishments is pretty impressive. And then if you remember, like our previous question, that God made us, that means to the extent that, sh- that a human being is doing something amazing, they're showing that God is great. Right? Yeah, the fact that we are willing to pay millions. Yeah. We'll be 
shows that we think that somebody's great. Well, how does this relate to what we're talking about? Our question is, how can we glorify God? We glorify God by enjoying him, loving him, trusting him, by obeying his will, commands, and law. Well, we're trying to figure out what does it mean to glorify? What does it look like? Look at this verse. 1 Chronicles 16, 28 through 29. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. What does that mean to ascribe? It says it like, what, four times? Three times? We don't use that word much, do we? To give what's due. To give what's due. And in a sense, this is starting to really kind of say the same thing multiple ways. Because even then says, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Right there, it kind of defines what it means to ascribe, to give the glory or give something that's due. And in this case, it's the glory. It's giving credit. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, if I quote something here in a little bit, if I don't say, I got this quote from so-and-so, I'm giving myself the credit, right? That's what it means to ascribe and to glorify God has two parts, and we see it in this verse. First of all, we have to ascribe. We have to recognize and give credit to God where it's due. So how much, for what things, for how many things does God do credit? Yes, thank you. <laughs> it's, my kids grew up joking about Sunday school answers, like, Jesus, that's the right answer usually. <laughs> And if, I, if a teacher, Sunday school teacher says, how many things, you just say all. Because yeah. <laughs> the Bible says it, right? And this is kind of trying to show us as well, everything, every nation. He's saying to every nation, every nation, you need to give glory, ascribe to God glory and strength. Recognize that he is full of glory and he is full of strength. And his name reflects that, Right? But then the other aspect of glorifying God is brought in here. That first part is bring is is ascribing. But what's the second part that you see in there? What's the other verbs? The verse first verb mentioned a lot of times is ascribe. Bring, bring yeah, bring an offering. Bring, bring an offering, and and Audrey just summarized it. Respond. So we in worship or glorifying God. The first thing is just giving Him the credit. But you respond by what? An offering. And the way Hebrew poetry works, a lot of times this is like, it's saying one thing and then it says the same thing again, just differently. If you ever studied any poetry, you've heard of parallelism, right? And you just say the same thing just differently. That's what it means. The second, last phrase is defining the first phrase. What does it mean to worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness? It means to bring an offering and come before him. And that's, that's what we do when we're glorifying God. Now, is that limited to what we're doing when we come together on Sunday mornings? How many of you know Romans 12, 1 and 2? You may have memorized that one point in your life. 
Romans. How many know anything about the book of Romans? Like Romans 1 through 11 is... Wesley, you raising your hand because you have it memorized? Got it. <laughs> so it's, it's all about how the greatness of God and his righteousness and how he justified unrighteous people through Jesus, right? Gets through to 11 chapters. And then Romans 12, his next statement, he says, Therefore, in light of all these mercies, present your bodies as a living sacrifice and offering. <laughs> That is worship is all of our life. So I had a thought, though, as I was reading this, this, preparing this. Just imagine you are Islamic. Okay? Could you say this about Allah? I'll answer for you. Yes. This is what they would say about Allah. Now, imagine you are in some... uh, African jungle, and they have a different religion. This sentence, most, for for many of these religions, could substitute their God's name right here. They do that. Now, how, though, is the one true God different? Because this God, in all religions, say that their God is worthy of some kind of praise, Right? How is it that the one true God changes that? What sets the theology, the teaching of the Bible different than every single other religion? Maybe the word do. Do? <laughs> yes. Right. Do, you, right? do. do. Like that do right there. Yeah. The glory do. Now we know that because we know that he is the one true God. Right? But you have to admit that that Islamic person would say that their God is do that. There's still something different. Their God is dead. Absolutely. Like, we, there's multiple right answers to this as to what sets apart the God we worship, the one true God, from all other religions that may try to make a statement like this. Okay? So... How is he different? He is, he, he's raised from the dead. Their gods are dead in a tomb. Okay, what else? How else is he different? Our catechism says to love him, and like in Islam, you don't love him, and he doesn't love you. Yes. It's a duty. Absolutely. That's what I have on my notes. I knew there were going to be other right answers. The resurrection, we can say some other things. Our God also makes some claims about himself that we're about to see that are much broader than most religions. However, Allah makes claims that are pretty broad as well, but he does not make this one key difference. Besides the resurrection, the other gods don't love the people that worship them. Their religion is a religion. Our religion is a relationship. Yeah, right? We, God made us. I can go back to our questions. This is where I'm already getting into next week. We're going to try and tie these questions together, see how they relate, right? But Aaron nailed it. God made us to love him and live with him, right? No other God can you say that about that he loves you. Like that, how many of you heard that David Crowder song, How how He Loves Us? Oh, we need to add that to our rotation, don't we? (laughs) Right? Oh, he, oh, how he loves us. 
And when we start, if we start singing that, you need to think about this. This God who is, remember the, the question, the second question about who is God? Infinite, eternal, unchangeable in his purpose, his power. Wow. And yet he loves us. Now, how does that relate to our question here? Right there at the top. We glorify God by enjoying him and loving him and trusting him and obeying his will, commands of law. We're called to glorify God, show him he's great, show others that he's great. We can't add to his glory, by the way. God's glory cannot change. That, perp, that other statement says he's unchangeable, right, in his, all of his glory. So when we say we glorify God, we can't add to his glory, but we can make it known. We can show it. Allah says to glorify him. Why does this, how does this change for us? We glorify him. Why? Because he loves us. We love him, 1 John says, because he first loved us. Now, regardless of whether he has shown you, um, regardless of whether he has changed you and gave you a new heart, and you can call him Savior, you still, every single human being on this earth, has to glorify him anyway. And he loves his creation. He made them. God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son, right? But you, if you've been called his child, he's drawn you to himself. The right response would be to glorify him because you've seen how much he loves you. I just want to show you a few more verses here that show what we're talking about. When I said that God makes claims that are different than others, God declares in Isaiah 42, 5, I am the Lord God. I created the heavens like an open tent above. I made the earth and everything that grows on it. I am the source of life for all who live on this earth. So listen to what I say. Oof. And that's the God who loves you. But you also now have a response to him. Psalm 103, 17 through 18. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. Do you see here how these two things are connected? We glorify God and obey him. He's telling us, that he, those who keep his covenant and remember to do his precepts, he's showing love to them. There's, there's this, this dynamic going on back and forth between I'm obeying God, enjoying him, loving him, trusting him, and that's how I glorify it. It's just this going back and forth with this God who made you. And then this last one, and, and this is just tie, teeing off of what Pastor Matt's talked about in the last couple of messages. Um, a couple of weeks ago. If you love me, you will obey what I command. So this last thing I want to say before we talk about the what, why does it matter part is a quote from, um, if you're ever like wrestling with something, gotquestions.org is pretty helpful. Um, but they had a great definition here. We also glorify him. And I think Matt, no, Kathy was pointing this concept out without saying it this way when she was talking about why she doesn't buy paper towels. We're like, what? 
Well, when we tell of God's work in our lives, how he saved us from sin and the marvelous works he does in our hearts and minds every day, we glorify him before others. That's what it means to glorify him. You're telling others about what kind of God loves you. So why does this matter? Let's read this together again and let's jump into the why does it matter. We glorify God, say with me, by enjoying him, loving him, trusting him, and by obeying his will, commands, and law. Now our next, next Sunday we're going to do the re- review. Then we're going to jump into another question. We're going to get into law, questions about the Ten Commandments. And actually start memorizing the Ten Commandments through that. So I'm not going to dig into what is it, what's the difference here between will, commands, and law. Just, just understand, like, the children's version of this is by obeying him, <laughs> right? We will glorify God by enjoying him and obeying him. But what I want you to see, why this matters, is look at this. There's an order to these verbs. We glorify God by enjoying him, loving him, trusting him, and obeying his will. I think they put those in there for an order. So put your thinking caps on and tell me why does that, why, why does that matter? What kind of order is that? What would happen if you flipped the order? Right, you make him a dictator. Now, frankly, he's king. I would have to obey him regardless of whether I know his love for me. Yeah, you're doing it out of a will that's been changed and now wants to, right? Yeah. That's, I was like this morning I posted something. I was walking and I came back uh, and there was a leaf. It was a fall leaf and it was sitting straight up and the stem was like this. And it was just face <laughs> up looking at me. Wow. And I was like, wow. It's like, okay, people make fun of me with that dandelion story, but... Um, <laughs> But it was the same way. It was like such a God wonder thing. You know, it was like I was enjoying mm-hmm. and his wonders, you know. And I think the more you do all those, then it's a duh moment of like to obey. Yeah. Well, exactly. It's kind of a duh thing, but in the in the in the moment, it's not easy to do the obeying. Right? If you're gonna be honest with me, this is hard stuff. It's really easy when we're sitting in our padded chairs right now talking about Jesus. But you're going to go home and the, you know what's going to hit the fan. And you're going to be like, it's hard to obey right now. So I have to. There's an order to these. If I'm enjoying him, what is it that I'm going to enjoy about him? If you think about the questions, like it explains who our God is. Enjoying, like when we watch the Olympics, you enjoy watching the Olympics, some of us. Um, depends on the sport. <laughs> because of the amazingness, right? That just kind of comes from watching. You're like, what? Or a play, an awesome play. When, when the, the, I'm not a sports guy, so I'm going to mess this up, I'm sure. <laughs> but we watched a soccer game the other day for the first time in my life, actually going and sitting for the soccer game. And what? Yeah. Soccer is painful, I think, sometimes to watch. Well, that's what I was told. Well, I liked it, that game, because it was slow, and I could follow it. <laughs> but just the, this little eighth grader, ninth grader, 
hit the ball, went right over the goalie's head, but there was like just enough room above the whatever that thing's called, yeah, the, the net. net. But the bar, the bar between the bar that's holding the net up and his head, it just like sandwiched right between it, and you're blown away, right? That's like what? That's awesome. Okay, same concept when you think about this God who's three and one, and you can't get your head wrapped around it. That's okay. It should make you feel undone. When you think about a God who never changes in the amount of love he has or the amount of power he has or his infinity infinity and how he fills up everything and everywhere, that should make you go, what? That's enjoying him, being astounded by it. Now, what's the proper response to that can be and, and, and then seeing it most preeminently revealed in the cross of Christ and his resurrection. That's things to enjoy about him that should consume our thoughts. That will lead to loving him. Right? When I see who he is, I'm going to want to love him. And then, knowing who he is, this God I love, that can lead to I can trust him. Because I know what he's done. I know what he does. I know what he will do. I can continually trust him. Now I've got fuel to be able to do that last part. Now I can obey him. Now, am I saying, though, that if you don't enjoy him at the moment, that you should not obey him? Do you have to have the happy feelings at the time? Man is like, nope, I know this because I've walked through it, right? When we're tempted to sin... Sometimes in the moment, I'm not enjoying God because of a lie that was told by Satan to Eve and Adam. What did he tell them? What did Adam, what did Satan tell You'll be like God. Did God really say? When he says, did God really say, what's he doing there? What's he doing? What? Putting doubt about what about God? That he's what? That he's honest. That he's trustworthy. That he's good. All of those are true. It's exactly what Satan was doing. He was causing, trying to get them to doubt. Is that what he really meant? That's what happens. God's holding back something from good from you. When it's hard to obey, it's because you're playing to that lie that's been told for 7,000 years. Is God really good? You know, you're being told to forgive somebody. You can't do that without knowing who God is. You can't do that without seeing what an infinite sacrifice he's made for you. You can't. It's, it's going to take a work of God to do that. It's going to take a work of God to cover the pain when I'm tempted to be complaining and bitter about whatever I'm struggling with. I'm going to have to enjoy him first. It's got to be a regular pattern of my life. Um, here's the other part that I wanted to ask you. Is it weird to you that enjoying and obeying God are in the same sentence? I've kind of gotten to this already. I grew up sometimes that that doesn't make sense. Why would that not make sense to you if you've been in church any, mile, any amount of time in your life? They leave off the first part, don't they? What's that? 
punishment, right? We only think of God. If I don't obey him, I'll be punished. Guys, all the punishment you deserve is put on Christ. It's all put on Christ. I I can't say it any other way. Um, But enjoying and obeying God in the same sentence, that's hard for a lot of us that have grown up because we default, and I think it's a human default to go back to, I have to do in order for him to be pleased with me. And God is so full of grace. There's also that other side that that if that it's all about enjoying God, eh, you know, the obeying part can maybe Right. I mean we can err on that. We can definitely err on the side of in fact Paul goes there. Like when he's in Romans trying to explain to you how big the grace is, he knows that the logical thought would be well, <laughs> all right, live it up. Live it up. Why does it matter if I even obey him? If this is the kind of grace it is, you cannot take these apart from each other. Grace should drive us to obey. In fact, that's what Titus even says. Paul says in Titus that way, that he saved us for good works. He, his grace should drive us to obey. Yeah, but you're... Right, grace is not an excuse to sin. But we do know what when we sin, we have an advocate before the Father, right? Also, uh, the lie that many people think, like, well, you know, I'm going to be a Christian. Oh, my goodness. Like ACDC... Write the ACDC song, right? I'm on the highway to hell. Like, it's an awesome party. Whoa. Right? I mean, that's, we know, I mean, it's a great riff, but, <laughs> right? It's a great riff, but, but the thing is, it's a lie. It's a lie from Genesis 3 all the way till now. And, and did you know that that song is the most requested funeral song? Statistically, the most requested funeral song is I Did It My Way. I was just listening to it on the way back from Indiana last night. We love Sinatra and the Pops. And that song just radiates the opposite of this vert, of this question that we answer here. It's completely opposite. Obeying and um, enjoying almost makes me think about like what, how you've been raised with like parenting, any sort of like authority figure type thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like can you enjoy and obey your teachers? Can you enjoy and obey uh, police? Can you enjoy and obey your parents? You know, all of those kind of things, you know, type. You yeah. Know, are, your, are your parents, you know, just thumbs down on you and not letting you, in, you know? So yeah. it's almost that same. There's relation. a pick. I think those relationships... Um, the flaws in those relationships are where we have a, a tendency to think that that's the way God is, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, and that's not the right way. If I'm a bad dad, and I am, mm-hmm. I cannot measure <laughs> what, what a good God looks like based on either my kid or a good dad looks like based on what my kids say to me or what other dads that I think are really doing it well. Mm-hmm. I got to look at what 
my Heavenly Father did. Any other points, comments about why else does this question matter? All these questions really matter to us. And, I mean, do have a point, and we want to learn them for a reason. So what were you going to add, Matt? Well, there's something you said a minute ago about a, a regular daily pattern of this. And I think one of the easiest ways to make it a regular pattern is, is with gratitude for the good that you get. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, the, every good gift, every perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of Lights. And so, honestly... And this won't surprise any of you in this room, but I mean, if you if you pick up a cheeseburger and it's delicious, mm-hmm. and God created taste, mm-hmm. you know, God created those senses, mm-hmm. and He He made eating could be an enjoyable. Of course, we can go awry with it, Exhibit A, <laughs> right? Um, but. Uh, like just when you when you thank the Lord for your food before you eat, like just if you take that moment, like my family makes fun of me because I basically say the same prayer every time we eat. But if if in those moments you're you're genuinely thinking, Lord, you've given, thank you for this food yeah. Yeah. that you you bless me with the job to get the money to buy it, but then but then this this thing that I have like it's going to sustain me and. And like just being grateful on a day-to-day basis yeah. for those things that you have that are good. It's, it's almost like we should begin and end our meals mm-hmm. with a prayer. Like our Audrey's Lutheran grandma does that. If you grew up Lutheran, you start with the meal, come Lord Jesus, be our guest and let thy gifts to us be blessed. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the meal, we thank thee, Lord, for all thy gifts, for mm-hmm. life and health and every... I just messed it up. But yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Right? For all thy food, for life and health and every good. Um, that, that's awesome, Matt. There, what ways can you do to help this be that, that order from enjoy to love to trust to obey in order to keep that balance in your life? One way is beginning your day and throughout your day being thankful. Like I have this before... 2012, I think, or 2013, we've been married at that point almost 20 years. I had not had a nice car to that point. I was always a beater. We would pay probably maybe a thousand bucks for the car, drive until I had to do a big repair and ditch it and get another one, right? And every time I'd get in the car, turn it. If it turned over, I said, thank you, God. (laughs) And it, it got to be a little funny, but it was true. I'm just like, God, I know. It's only going to start because you're going to allow these things to continue to function. And if it's your will that it shorts out or whatever, that's your directing too. But thank you, God. So just constant thankfulness today. But what other things can you do to help your brain remember, I need to enjoy God. And I want to throw one more thing in there real quick. Something that Donnie, I, I mentioned it in the sermon, and, and he's helped me to it. But it started with a guy at school. There's this guy at school named John Greenhall. And he, every time I say... How you doing? He always stops, looks me dead in the eye, and goes, "Bless." Mm-hmm. And and I've talked to him lots of times. I mean, he he loves the Lord. He's a rock solid Christian guy, and, and it comes from that. Mm-hmm. And so I mentioned that one time, and, and Donnie's helped me too. I heard. actually so appreciate it because um, every time he does that, like wait, I'll, he'll say, "How you doing?" And instead of saying "blessed," I'll go, "Oh, pretty good" or "excellent." He'll go, "Wait a minute, what?" And honestly, every single time that happens, in the back of my head, it. 
reverberate. Wait a minute, why why would I say blessed? And yeah. so, like, even at school, when I, if I forget it, sometimes I'll I'll forget it, and I'll have every once so the Holy Spirit sounds like Donnie in my head. <laughs> well, so that, I would. That's Wait, a, what? That's and another go, way. Down the hall. That's yeah. another way to keeping this. And what is it? Mm-hmm. You, each other. Yep. Accountability. Accountability. Like when you hear one of us just going off, just ragging on whatever. Sorry, was I not supposed to use that? Yeah, yeah. So, so when you, I'm tempted to say, well, can't I vent a little while? Well, I get that. Complain, but then turn those complaints to God, right? Help each other. Point each other. So, pointing each other. Gratitude. What other ways can we keep enjoying God first, loving Him, then trusting, and then obeying? Kind of in that balanced order. That's, that's fantastic. Remembering. Yeah. A constant remembering throughout the day that God's... Nothing happens apart from His will and He's doing good always. Well, it's 10.15. Let me close in prayer and then we will uh, take a break before our service together. Father, thank You for loving us so much. Being the God that You are, infinite and unchangeable, eternal, and yet... You loved us. That sets you apart above all other so-called gods. You are the one true and living God, and you have called us your own and made us your own through your blood, the blood of your son, Jesus Christ, and given us your spirit. Thank you for your spirit working in our Sunday school this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.